Heads up, this episode of Schmeitgeist has some strong language in it. This is an ABC podcast. I mean, you could go back to the dance floor, but what if the realest thing of all is to take the photo right here, in the toilet store? 154. Go on, be real. 153. Hmm. Nailed it. I'm Ange Lavoie and this is Schmeitgeist, the pop culture podcast from ABC Every Day about why we love what we love. And holy shit do we love being online. I mean, we hate it too, obviously, but also we love it, or I'm pretty sure you wouldn't be here. The thing is, the way we behave online is changing dramatically. For better or worse, we are becoming more real. I definitely think that I am showing a more authentic version of myself on social media than I used to. For example, I just had the flu on a big, grand Northern Hemisphere holiday. And I really wanted it to be like hot and Instagrammable. And then I had the fucking flu and it was just the worst. And I was just like, you know what, balls to the wall. The people need to see the real me. Whether it's be real, ugly selfies, blurry photos, photo dumps, or oversharing on Instagram stories, the filter is coming down. And that might not sound like a big deal, But what we're witnessing in real time, I think, is a major turning point in internet culture. So today, for the final episode in this season of Schmeitgeist, we are zooming in on the new, less curated, more chaotic and honest version of life online and what it's doing to us. So at the time I'm recording this, Be Real is the number one app in the world. In fact, it has been at the top of the charts for a couple of months now. Even if you don't have it, you would have seen the memes. My personal favourite was probably Drake and his racing car bed, but honestly, take your pick. And in the first half of 2022, this app was mainly a thing with teens in the US, but at this point, it has well and truly reached older and more far-flung demographics, people who were curious enough about what it was promising to give it a go, up to and including me and Tully Walter. Hi, I'm Tully Walter. I'm a futurist uh, for Soon Future Studies uh, based here in Melbourne. We're a futures think tank. Um, We follow the fringe of culture to try and create the foresight of what's going to be next. How big a deal is this app? Be Real is killing it at the moment, actually. It's a French social media app and the whole aim is to bring authenticity back to the social media landscape. You know, when you think about what social media is, it is supposed to be an extension of of social and, you know, connection with friends and so showing uh, our friends how we really live uh, once a day. Users get a notification at any random time and then they have to take a photo um, and 
they've only got two minutes to take it. So you can't be getting, you know, that perfect curated shot or setting up your selfie or overlaying it with filters. Um, you have to just go. My be real every day is the same because no matter what time it pings me to take the photo, I'm always like at my desk working on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's like this really grim reflection of my life right now. Yeah. It's very one note, might be real. That's funny, isn't it? Because it's like, oh, uh, well, I, I I know what you're trying to ask me to do, be real, but can we just be a little bit less real? Like, well, Yeah, but it, it made me realise how much I was, you know, probably curating things on other platforms because I'm going for a bit more diversity on other platforms, but on Be Real, I, it forces my hand. I'm like, oh, no, 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 like I am just working. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and a lot of the conversations I have about Be Real with people who don't use it involve trying and sometimes failing to explain the appeal. Because on the one hand, I get the reluctance. Even the name Be Real is so heavy-handed. It sounds like bullshit. And we have so many reasons to be cynical about yet another app, especially one that promises to be an antidote to the toxic, false nature of other apps. And even if you are buying into that promise, the other issue is that it sounds kind of boring, seeing people hanging out their laundry, buying bread, or sitting at their desks doing work. Once again... I do get this. But as someone who uses the app, there is something refreshing about it. It leaves you with a completely different, much lighter feeling than the one you might have after some casual doom scrolling on Instagram. Why do you think it is blowing up? I think there's a variety of drivers and groundswell that make be real sort of so incredibly the zeitgeist. Gen Z have, I guess, seen what the Instagram era has created, um, particularly, you know, driven by millennials in a very curated uh, pursuit of perfection. You know, the selfie was born out of the Instagram era. We've seen so much um, tech evolve, whether it's selfie mirror lighting. We've seen the, the business of filters, you mm. know, influencers um, selling the pre their presets of filters to, you know, create this um, perfection, this facade, the agonising over um, how your feed looks, the idea of, you know, your personal brand being consistent, having to sort of have a, a very palatable personal brand that appeals to your mum's friends as well as your boss, as well as prospective partners. It's exhausting just to listen to, right? But that's the world we've been living in for years. That whole nightmare scenario of having to represent yourself to everyone at the same time, despite the fact that they all want different things from you. It even has a name. It's called Context Collapse. And it really does seem to come up in every other episode we make. On top of that, and making it immeasurably worse, was that period in internet culture you just heard Tully mention, Instagram era, or as it's also known, millennial era. I always think of the millennial era with millennial pink, and then when mm. I think millennial pink, I think of rose-tinted glasses, and it's almost, that's what the 
Instagram era has created. But with that, high pressure and highly homogenized headspace. And I think Gen Z not only want to be more casual and and free in their social media presence, but it also is getting back to the notion of of social and that is spontaneous and essentially fun. I think that the Instagram era and the idea of curation did take a bit of the joy out of things. So as soon as it was pointed out to me, I felt like I could very clearly recognise that era. It was more than just a look too. It was a larger ethos of perfectionism productivity, hustle mentality, having four jobs but also cooking shakshuka for your 15 hottest friends at Sunday brunch, celebrating the idea of being a so-called girl boss, homogenising your personal brand, having a personal brand at all, and most importantly, any emotional outbursts should be limited to long and thoughtful posts talking about how you came out the other side of whatever it was. The past tense is crucial there. The millennial era made us miserable. There have been hundreds of reputable studies in the last decade which reflect that, but to pull just one stat out of the pile, a 2020 survey of 12 to 25-year-old Australians found more than half believed their mental health was getting worse and 42% cited social media as the main reason. But unless you are a very special case, you probably already know what it can do to you from first-hand experience. So the idea is that what we're seeing now is a very necessary pushback helped along by the pandemic, giving everyone a pretty massive dose of perspective and leaving us with less energy overall to sustain the facade of a flawless main character storyline. So Be Real is one sign of that shift, but there are plenty of others. I think Gen Z has spearheaded kind of a a natural evolution out of that curation. We've seen things like the photo dump, sort of a miscellaneous collection of almost, you know, chaotic images, not necessarily curated or or, um, agonised over, but just a dump of things to tell a story throughout the week. Yeah, it's kind of like got middle finger energy, right? It's like, you know what, I didn't bother to make this good and that is a, a choice and now you have to live with it. And it's kind of I don't know. It's, it's kind of punk energy. It is that. That is such a good point. It is. It's punk energy as opposed to curated agony. And you can see that drive towards authenticity playing out in a few ways, visually at least. The photo dump, like Tully mentioned, as well as deliberately blurry, out of frame, or massively unflattering selfies. There's the 0.5 selfie, which is a camera setting on newer smartphones, which produces almost a fisheye effect. The results are, once again, distorted and somewhat chaotic. There's the overall preference for temporary posts on platforms like Snapchat and Instagram stories. And the next part is a little harder to quantify, but I think in general people are telling a more honest story about their lives too. The conversations that I've been having lately, especially in a post-COVID world, I think that people are really searching for connection and meaning. It's like I did a big post about vaccinations, 
because a friend of mine had died from COVID and he didn't have access to a vaccine and that was like a really vulnerable post. I had a lot of people message me being like, thank you so much. And then I've also posted about being like non-binary and having like parents who don't really get it or like migrant parents. And I've had so many people message me about that. And that's like super, super rewarding. I've definitely tried to become more of an authentic person on social media. I think in the past I tried to really curate and perfect every single photo that I'd put on. What I find that I'm doing now is when I'm going out, I'll take photos of friends or what's going on right now. Be honest, because life is hard enough. Everyone has to go to the toilet. Everyone has to clean up spills and things. Be cringe. We don't need to know all your trauma, but I want to see you fart on camera. <laughs> There's definitely a movement now to try and make people understand that no, not everyone's body looks like the model has been highly photoshopped. It doesn't matter like about looking good anymore. People just want to express themselves now more than ever. What if all of our brands were just authenticity? That's crazy. But I think it's kind of happening. I think people are showing more real versions of themselves in kind of like a rebranding way. It's like I'm branding myself as authentic, which is funny and maybe that's like the lesser of two evils. I don't know. I mean, that's the thing, right? Even if you put a less filtered version of yourself online, it's still a version. We are still our own autobiographers and everything we post is a choice, which is maybe why there are other ways people are reacting against that era of online perfectionism. In some ways, it's the opposite of the kind of filterless, chaotic sharing and oversharing we've been talking about. And that is choosing to show less of yourself and showing it to fewer people. This is Peter Marion. She's the founder of a trend and futures consultancy called Future Narrative. So like Tully, she works with organisations to help them understand what is coming next. I actually am in a forum and I totally outed myself as a millennial because I'm one of the few people that has a photo of myself as my avatar. Everyone else <laughs> has got uh, different, uh, you know, animations and, and graphics and things as theirs. But here I am, I'm like, hey, and they're all using <laughs> names that aren't their real names and all of that sort of stuff. And um, and, and that's the, the way that we're going. Which seems like a much safer way to do things, especially when you consider people tend to start posting around 13 or younger. And that impulse towards privacy is also driving people to more gated corners of the internet. So moving into smaller social circles. So we go back to the example of Be Real. The images disappear after a a day or so, I think. Again, that sort of... uh, brief moment of of visual representation that doesn't stick around because as you're moving through this period of digital representation, millennials and Gen Z are more concerned about how they're represented and perceived online than they are in real life. Um, And also they're really scared of being cancelled. So there's that other side of things where, you know, you post the wrong thing or you don't post things the right way or someone misinterprets what you've posted, even though you've got genuine and good intentions, that someone's misinterpreted that and you get cancelled. On, online. Even just Instagram stories, like not having the permanency of an Instagram post. I have a private Instagram, which is where I sometimes post a lot more of my like shit posty meme content. Uh, and that includes things about my mental health, um, some very silly selfies uh, and posts and stuff that I wish I could do on the main. I'm definitely still curating an image of myself, but I think I'm choosing what that image is. It's definitely authentic to who I am. It's not the whole me, but it's a me. I wanted to talk about some of the places that are emerging as like the preferred hangout for 
particularly Gen Z now and increasingly millennials, um, the smaller, more private spaces, we've sort of name-checked a couple of them, but I was hoping to build a more extensive map. You know, if, if Facebook is very out, Instagram is, if not out, then being used very differently now to how it used to be. Um, what are the places that are emerging in its in its stead? What Where are the kind of closed private hangs that you're talking about happening? I mean, Snapchat is one that we often forget about because they've been going for quite some time. Um, but the number of people and the number of young people still using it is very large. Um, but the sort of more emerging ones are obviously Discord. We're, we're hearing a lot about that. And that often interacts with sort of Web3 types of things. Um, Reddit, obviously. But again, that's a very anonymous uh, space. So you can have anonymous conversations about communities and things that you're passionate about or things that you want to learn about. Um, but then also thinking about, um, and again, it's it's a bit difficult to talk about this without it sounding a bit cheesy these days, but metaverse style spaces, which is basically, I mean, we, we need to understand that we, we need to take the mystery out of this word metaverse. Mm. It's just immersive video games, right? Mm. And so if you think about things like um, Fortnite and different video games where people are able to kind of hang out in those spaces. And then there's TikTok. And what's interesting about TikTok in this list is that it's the opposite of closed and private but where other platforms are safe because the audience is handpicked or heavily filtered or your identity is hidden, TikTok offers a different kind of safety because it's structured algorithmically for your content to be seen primarily by strangers. And if you ever need proof of that, try Schmeitgeist episode two on the rise of the male thirst trap. The safest place to be fully yourself is in a space where no one knows who you are. Mm. And so, you know, I mean, I just, I moved to London a long time ago, but I moved there knowing nobody, right? And that is the most freeing experience because you can completely reinvent yourself and you completely decide who you're going to be on any given day. And that's what's playing out in digital spaces today is that you get to invent who you want to be. So if the millennial era and its obsession with optimization burned us all out and gave us chronic anxiety, the idea is that this new era will be kinder and gentler somehow. And it feels naive to hope for that. But if nothing else, it has to be an improvement. This is a generation that has, you know, the worst mental health and, and really significant mental health issues. So what they're, they're looking at is basically how do they combat some of this stuff by changing their behaviours, by not moving through the world in the same way, and actually by making some active choices about how you use the technologies that are available to you. What we've experienced is that, you know, millennials, Gen X and boomers, we've just kind of been brought along with the wave of technology that we've experienced. We've just kind of done what the tech giants have told us to do because it seems like a good thing to do at the time and we don't want to be left out, where I think what we're seeing now is Gen Z are kind of hacking those systems and deciding what role they want those technologies to play in their life and going, okay, well, maybe this isn't the best because they have some idea of what the consequences of some of these technologies are. Moving back toward authenticity and towards privacy really kind of opens up this idea of just fully being the whole version of ourselves and being able to choose who we want to be and how we want to exist in the world rather than having to perform a version of it that's acceptable to other people. And I think that's the thing to take away is that that we can be fully ourselves and that that can be celebrated and, and that's what we're looking forward to and that's what's probably going to go in the near future. We've been talking this whole episode about how life online is changing. But the question it leaves me with is how that plays out in life away from a screen. 
Like, does this massive shift we've been talking about change anything apart from what we post and where we post it? And there's no real way to know the answer to that, at least not definitively and not yet. But my gut is that, yes, it does. And the closest thing I have to an answer came to me during Australian Fashion Week, actually. And I know this is a bit of a plot twist, but stay with me. Because I haven't stopped thinking about this one runway show by a designer named Jordan Gogos since I saw it. And I don't tend to feel that way about fashion, for the record. But this wasn't anything like a normal fashion show. It was a total incineration of the rule book, which seemed to signal something bigger. Like, I don't think this could have happened three years ago. To start with, the look of the clothes was totally off the map trend-wise. There were elaborate patterns, bright, verging on neon colour, flashing and kaleidoscopic detail on these enormous structural, almost alien-looking garments. On top of that, there was none of the traditional restraint and decorum in the models. They danced and they smiled, they broke the fourth wall with reckless abandon, and they had bigger bodies than models normally do. And then there was the crowd response. They were dancing too, they were yelling out, and they were interacting with the models. I mean, it was a completely joyous act of creativity. It was just beautiful, right? It was mm. it was wild and wonderful and extraordinary, and the models weren't doing what you expect models to do. They had personality. The whole thing was just high energy, high octane. I don't know, I'm using so many mm. um, superlatives for it, but it was very exciting and very, yeah, it was a, a breath of fresh air, really. And on the one hand, who cares? Jordan Gogos isn't the world's first transgressive fashion designer. And this was one show. But the way I see it, much more important than the fact it happened was the response it got. People were very there for it. The vibe was kids who've eaten too much sugar the night before their birthday party staying up to watch an M-rated movie. Like 1,000% potential. And look, I have to say, watching it did feel amazing. I was inspired. And the whole room was just full of happiness. Mm. And I'm like, I want to be here. This mm. is the best show ever. Mm. Yeah. It was a really joyful show, wasn't it? it I just was. sat there grinning. Does yeah. I don't go to a lot of fashion shows. Yeah. Um, this is kind of a new a new gig for me. Yeah. Are they? They're not all like this, are they? No, 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 no. They're all serious. All like, <laughs> you know, pull your face, Zulanda vibes. But this is more like fun and artistic and freedom and and I don't care how I look you know I'm welcoming you into my world this is me that kind of I like I love it it's brilliant this is a brilliant opportunity for people to break free now is the time now is the trend of breaking all the rules and to make things happen to become noticeable to become noticed for far too long we've gone home woke up worked from home and repeat and I think now if there's any you know if there's ever a time to be loud and proud I think now is the time. I had this feeling after that show that I couldn't remember feeling recently. I was so excited about the future and I couldn't really articulate why at the time but I think it was it was just so thrilling to see <laughs> to see someone break that many rules in such a short space of time. And I think that that's really when you think about the future and going back to the nostalgia piece, the reason why nostalgia is so exciting and so interesting for people is that the future is scary. 
And the thing about Jordan Gogos' show and the, the experience that you're feeling is hope and excitement and wonder. And these are the things that we've lost a little bit of over the last few years. And so thinking about, well, how do we start to embrace those emotions more and how do we start to bring more, more of those things into our lives? Because I think that's really some of the stuff that, especially during the pandemic, that we lost. I feel... Feel teary. It's strange. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's good. It's a good feeling. No, oh, I wonder how that pissing be real we posted is doing. You have 32 new comments on be real. <gasps> oh no. Oh, no, 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 not again. You know, you could just flush it. That was the final episode in this season of Schmeitgeist. There are nine others in our feed if you haven't had a chance to listen yet. We have covered everything from astrology and male thirst traps to the carnivore diet and regression. Believe me, it's a journey. You can find all those episodes on the ABC Listen app. A massive shout-out to the Schmeitgeist team, Grant Walter, our incredible lead sound engineer and producer, and our producer Elsa Silberstein, who has also been the engineer on today's episode. And, of course, the biggest thank you of all goes to you for listening. Thank you for being here. Bye for now. Hi, I'm Kurt Fernley, Paralympian and proud person with a disability. And I'm Sarah Shands, mum of a bright, bubbly, hilarious kid with a disability. I'm an hilarious, I'm fabulous. We're the hosts of a new ABC podcast called Let Us In. Each week... We'll speak with people from around Australia to find out what it's like to live with a disability. She belongs in society, that she's not going to be separated because of who she is and her disability. Every time I arrive at the airport, I turn into someone I don't like. I start to volunteer in different places because I believe to be a volunteer, they keep you alert. The way that I think about it is that shame is the voice of rejection whispered in the inner ear that says, I am not worthy. Real stories from people with disability about what's really going on. Let us in. The new episode out every Wednesday on the ABC Listen app.